Parshas Shemais. Let's discuss uh, point two in the Parsha. Pasuk says, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu was born this week, the beginning of this week's Parsha. The teacher of Klal Yisrael for all time, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rebbe, our teacher. Pasuk says he's born, and his mother initially hides him for a couple months, right? For three months. Three months. Three months. Three months. Right. And then it says, yeah. She could not hide him anymore. She took from this little. Uh, Box of a tachmer of a chamer of a zephyr, and she puts in it uh, what is a tar to keep it from the elements. Vatosam basayelad, and she places the child within it. Vatosam besuf al sfas hayyur. She puts him in the suf, which is the the name for the yamsuf, which is uh, I guess the Nile. Al um, sfas. The, the point that I want to um, emphasize here is that she puts him al sfas hayyur. What's the sfas hayyur? The sfas is the is the bank. Bank. So she didn't put him in the water. No. She put him on the bank, the bank of the river. And that's emphasized by the Targum Unculus. And it's uh, definitely one of the most authoritative translations of the Torah that there is, is the Targum of Unculus Hager. And he writes, Al Kaif Nahara, which is in Aramaic for on the bank of the river. So it's clear that Yocheved, when she initially puts Moshe Rabbeinu in the basket, it is on, not in the water, but on the bank of the river. Now what's interesting is look a couple of sukkim further, Pasik Yud. Vayigdal Hayeled, the child um, becomes a little bigger, right? This is later after the whole story plays itself out. Vatvela Baspari, that the and Yuchad brings her back to the daughter of Pare, to Basya. Vahila Labain, and she adopts him as a son. Vatikrashme Moshe, she calls his name Moshe. Why? Why is Moshe called Moshe forever and all time? Kimin Hamayim Meshisihu. Because I drew him out of the water. And here, when we look cl- clearly, there seems to be some level of contradiction. Where was the basket? Nothing is dafka. But where was the basket? On a pshat level. On a pshat level. Yochavid places him asfas hayyair. It could have easily said vatasem bayyair. She could have put him in the water. So, but it doesn't say that. It's very clear that it's asfas hayyair. And again, the Targumunculus makes it clear. Al kef nahara. Kef means the. Uh, in Yiddish, the word is the breg, or in English, it's the, it's the banks of the, of the river. And yet, he's called Moshe. And the reason he's called Moshe is because he's drawn out from the water. Now, of course... When the, you say the bank of the water, isn't that in the water, just on the edge of the water? It's not in the water. It's on the, it's on the outside of the water. It's the, it's the river bank. The river bank is not in the water. Right. It's right next to the water. Right. So, I mean, uh, possibly he could have slipped in, right? See, or maybe when the water rose. Maybe the ro- water rose. Uh, right. Everything is possible, but clearly there's, you know, there's no, nothing in terror is arbitrary. And if in one pasuk it's clear that she put him al-sfasayayayr, and the Targum says al-kaif nahara, and another, a couple of later, we're learning that he's drawn from the water. That means somehow he got from point A to point B. Maybe it was half and half, like maybe it was... In the Again, all these maybes are possible, but clearly the terror is telling us something. It's clearly telling us there was a point A, there was a point B, there was a time when he was at the banks of the river. Again, there's no problem with someone who starts off on the banks of the river ending up in the river. It happens all the time. But there's got to be a reason why L'Chachila, he was one place and then he was in another place. So this is an interesting diuk in the Pasuk. Now, there is a fascinating explanation to this from the Sefer called Safnas Paneach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know Yosef well, Asad didn't write this actual sefer, um, but Safnas <laughs> Panech means the one who um, was able to reveal the mysteries, secret. the hidden secrets. And in our generation, not our generation, but uh, about a hundred years ago, lived another one of the, arguably one of the greatest geniuses that we know of 
in Torah, and his name was also Yosef. And he was Rabbi Yosef Rosen, known as the Ragachavar Goin. He was the Ragachavar genius. He was born in a city called Ragachav. He became the Rav in the city called Dvinsk, uh, which is a small city in uh, Russia, I guess. Russia, mine, whatever the one of the areas there. Dvinsk and now Well, now it's okay, fine. But in the city of Dvinsk, he had a small city, and the two Rabbanim of Dvinsk were maybe the two greatest Torah scholars of the generation. You had the Ragachavar Goin and Rabbi Meir Simcha of Dvinsk, the Ersameach, who was known for the Sefer Ersameach. Two tremendous, phenomenal, towering Torah geniuses. Um, a lot of differences between them. Books were written about them, and we're not going to get into them now. But the Rogeshavar Goyen was this incredible genius. And this, by all estimations, this, above and beyond, um, his problem is his, the, his problem that he has is that his works are not that well learned because nobody really understands them. Um, if you try to read some stuff, I mean, he was a genius beyond, but his writing is just impossible. He's like, see here, see here, see here, which is the question. The answer is see here, see here, but there's a question from the Yerushalmi, but the answer is the Tesefta, and that's how he reads. So you've got to be a going just understand him. And that's the problem. So uh, what should I say? The the, the Rebbe was, his, was a Talmud of his. He got smicha from him. And for, but for him, he was the ultimate. The ultimate. Whenever the Rebbe would talk about it, he would always what the Rebbe had to say about it. For him, he was, the, uh, he was very close to him. Be that as it may. He was a so he was the Hasidic Rav of Dvinsk. You know, Dvinsk, there was the Hasidic Rav and the Litvish Rav. So the Rav was the Hasidic Rav. He wasn't called a Rebbe, but he was the Hasidic Rav of the city. And, and, there, and there was the Litvish Rav. They were very close, obviously. But, uh, okay, be that as it may. The Tzafanas Paneach has a very original and unique explanation to this. And he says the following. He says, we all know, we may have heard, that the Nilus was the Avodah of the Mitzrayim. Right? They, they um, served, they worshipped the Nile. And that's in fact when, you know, next week's Marshall, we start with the Marcus and Dunks, Fardea. Rashi says from the Medrash that Hashem says, first I'm going to go after the Avodah Zarah. Right? And that's done. Right? Says the Rogeshavar going, if the Nilus was Avodah Zarah, there's a basic Isser in Halacha to, to derive benefit from Avodah Zarah. So she could not put her son in the water. You know, if the water is Avedizara, if it has a halach of Avedizara, and we're talking about Sadiqim, you have to remember Yecheved, Amram, these are the greatest Sadiqim in the generation. Amram was one of the people, it says about him that he never sinned in his whole life. The Gemara says, talks about four people. One of them is Amram. He was Sadiq Adar. The, the Gemara calls him Sadiq Adar. God Adar. So Yecheved and Amram, you know, they, they know the halachas and they know the detail. And she knew that the Nilos is an Avedizara. And if it's an you can't use it even to save yourself, even to save your child. Right? Avedizara is your heart of value honor. You know, you can't you know, use it. So that's why the Pasik says, Bidafka, that he was put out oh, However, yeah. however, but listen, but what happened to him later? Yeah, well, was, we have to learn something out from it. Oh, yeah, right. So what happened to him? So he says like this. When Bas Pare, when Basia, the daughter of Pare, went down to the Nor, we have the next Pasik, right? Pasik, hey, Vatered Bas Pare, the daughter of Pare, the princess, goes to bathe in the river. Vatered, Sateva, she sees that, that box, Basay Chasuf, in the, in the Nile. Vatisla Chasamasa, Vatikocha, she sticks at her arm or her maidservant, the two sheets in the Gemara. So, what does the Gemara say? What was she going to bathe for? What does the Gemara say in Saita? She was going to be misguided. She was going to make fun. That's the Gemara says. And Basia was, a, it says Basia was an Avia. It says wonderful things about Basia, who was the one who mothered Meshur Rabbeinu for all the years. So it says that she was going into the Nilus to Lirchitz Migilule Avia to cleanse herself from the idolatry of her father. 
says Ragachavar going, when she did that, she did halachically, she was mevatel da'avaydazara of the nilus. There is, a, there is a halacha, there is a halacha of bitul avedazara, and dafka only a goy could do it, right? There's a whole, only a goy, because a goy is shaykhis avedazara, he accepts it, so when he, um, what's the word, the opposite of accept, when he renounces it or denounces it in various ways, so they're able to affect bitul avedazara, says Ragachavar Goyen, being that the Gemara tells us that she was going to use that same nilus. She's there to cleanse herself from the desire of her father. So what she was really affecting was that she was mevatil the avodah of the nilus. Now that she's mevatil the desire of the nilus, Moshe's little uh, little basket slips right into the water and starts sailing because now it's okay. And everything with this sadikim was exact. So as long as the water is not Moshe is not touching it. Not Moshe Rabbein is not touching it. Not his mother Yechavah is not putting him in over there. And, and Hashem is not going to allow him. Hashem is not going to allow that Moshe Rabbeinu should be saved by Avedizar. But once Bas Pare comes and she was Mivatel Avedizar, so now it's okay. So why did she so, put it? Why did the mother put it in Lachatchila? She put it in Asfasayur. I know, but why? Well, she had to hide. She had to hide. Yeah, so she's had the kid someplace else. Okay. Okay. Oh, you know what? I'll, have, that question will be answered in a moment as well. Okay. Give me a moment, you'll get the answer. When you're Mivatel Avedizar, one goy can Mivatel Avedizar. Yeah. Right. There's other people that right. You know, so, so, so that, that's a good shayla. That's a good shayla, and it's hard to know how this works out in halachic implication. You remember we're talking about before Matan Torah, and before Matan Torah, the uh, the perimeters of halacha aren't as exact. And there, perhaps, and I'm just saying this as perhaps, she wasn't just one guy of the city. She was a princess of the country, right? Her what she does is not just a private person who's just you know doing something in their backyard. Mm-hmm. She's a person with tremendous power coming from the palace, and she's doing this to break the avodah and according to the Rav that had a koyach to break that tumah of that Avedah Zara. That's, that's, that's his contention. So, so fact number one that we learned over here, this is a beautiful vart from, from the Tzafnas Paneach. By the way, the Tzafnas Paneach has on the Rambam, that's what he's most famous for, but he also has Al And this is from his Pirushim on the Torah. He has a special, a couple of Sfar and Tzafnas Paneach Al Okay, I want to read with you another Medrash. Or not, or actually not another, a medrash. And this medrash is going to deal directly with what Rabbi Ram just asked. The medrash Rabbah, Parsha Allah, Simon Chafala. The medrash says, why, why she put him in the river? Why the river? I mean, again, she has to hide him. Why the river? Straight up on his question. Right, exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Ram brought the papers. He looked it up first. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been teaching long enough to know these tricks. You know, this is, this is simple stuff. Anyways, so the Madras says, "Vilama hislicho eisay biyair." Why did she put him in the beer? Kidei sheyehoshvin haistralugin shekvar hushlach lamayim vloyach pesu acharov. We know the whole story of the chumash that it was the astrologers that they were the ones they had this type of astrology of, and they were able to figure out that ultimately the leader of the Jewish people was going to be smitten by water. Now, as the Gemara says, they're confused what they see. They get the basic picture, but they don't get the clear picture. Yeah. And they were right. Meshulabinu was, his downfall was going to be with water 40 years later in the Midbar. Mm-hmm. They just saw water as the way to get rid of him. So they said, and that's why they created, they had power and make the Xerah, make the decree of kol ben sending every, throwing every child into the water. Now, Yochevet, who's a tzaddikis, and, and, and knows what's going on, she's, she's going to outsmart the astrologers. She says, they're, they're banking on Moshe has to, get, has to be destroyed with the water. I'll put him in the water. They're going to then see in their, again, uh, um, confused visions, yeah, he's in the water. And then they'll, they'll, um, they'll know the decree. 
will start killing Jewish boys. And that's why you have it put him in the water. And the Medrash says that's exactly what happened. The Medrash says, um, where we... That the astrologers think he's already thrown into the water. They will not look after him. The Medrash goes on a few pieces later in Simon Chavdalit. That when Basia takes him, pulls him out of the basket, she says, This is from the Yalde Ha'ivrim, the children of the Jews. What is the word Zeh? She goes, What's Zeh? Says the Medrash. This one fell or was put into the Nile. No one after him was. Shekivan shehipilu batla That the gzera, the decree, the decree that the Jewish boys, the Jewish children, should be thrown into the river. That decree that happened was nisbatil, was um, nullified through this prophetic act of Yochevet. Why? Because again, Yochevet knows what's going on. And she knows that the astrologers who are behind this evil decree is because they saw in astrology that the way that the downfall of the Jewish leader is going to be through water. So she knows. So Yechelet says, I'll put him into the water. Now they're going to see the Jewish leader is in the water. Once he's in the water, we don't need the decree anymore. And that worked. It worked. They, 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 you know, the astrologers, I guess they were full-time astrologers, and they get the immediate, you know, you know instant, like uh, they got a WhatsApp, an email, I don't know, Instagram, what whatever it was. Downfall through the water. You would think that would mean that he should die in the water. Okay, but again, the Gemara tells us that this thing, the thing with astrology is you get the general picture, but the details are confused. So the whole thing, he's going to fall in the water, that's 40 years later. They don't know the details. So here too, they got, the, they got, they got a message. He's in the water. That's all they need. Done. They didn't know. They went to Paris and said, we accomplished, we're done. That's the Gemara. That's what the Medrash says. Okay. Let's put together the two facts that we just learned, and I want to show you something, I think, a beautiful idea. What did we learn? Moshe's, this, this saga, the story of Moshe in the water, two things happened. First of all, the Avedah Zorah of the Mitzrayim was nullified, right? Because Basia goes into the water, Lirchis Migiluli Avia, she's there to cleanse herself from idolatry, the Rabbi Shavar going tells us, that's it. She was Mavatal Avedah Zorah of the Mitzrayim. At the same time, the Gzeira, the decree that the Jewish children should be killed was also nullified. Amazingly, these two things happen at the same time. I mean, or within a short period, within a couple of hours. It's the story, and in this story, two important facts come together, all connected with the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu, or the hiding of Moshe Rabbeinu, or the saving of Moshe Rabbeinu, that the, um, the Avedizara of the Nile is nullified, and the decree to throw the Jewish children into the Nile is nullified as well. So here lies a very beautiful idea. And that is that these two concepts are very, very connected. The concept of the Nilus, the Nile being the Avedizara, which is now being nullified, and the decree to throw the Jewish children into the water. Why is that? We know that every concept and every story in Torah has a lot of different levels and layers of meaning and so on and so forth. There's the actual pshat, which is always, of course, true, as it says, a mikra yotze midei pshuto. It has the simple meaning, but it also carries so much deeper and deeper, and that's something that we've been talking about here all throughout. Um, the words of the Ramban, Every word in Torah has so many levels that deeper and deeper remez and soid and drash, what's going on behind it. When we talk about Golos Mitzrayim, 
So Mitzrayim happened a long time ago. And the type of exile is a very different one than we are in today. And yet, the messages of Mitzrayim and of Parah and what goes on is very much relevant to us nowadays as well. We just have to understand it on the deeper level. So, what was the Gzeira of throwing the boys into the Nile in modern day language? What would, what would be today's, uh, what's what I'm looking for, today's equivalent. equivalent of let's throw the boys into the Nile? So the idea is like this. The Nile was that we deserve this, right? Was that, why was the Nile the way deserves, right? Because it was the source of their sustenance, right? right? As the Gemara tells us, we know, it didn't rain there. So their source of sustenance was the Nile. So they didn't believe in Hashem, they believed in their source of sustenance. In today's world, what happens many times is we start worshipping the source of sustenance. We worship our jobs. We worship our financial whatevers. We worship our schooling for our jobs because we got to be sustained. Instead of recognizing them that all sustenance comes from Asha. And a job and a job and a school and everything is merely a vessel. A vessel to receive Hashem's bracha. And of course we're supposed to make vessels. We're supposed to, we're supposed to work for a living. Hashem blesses us through what we do, in what we do. I remember I had a my grandmother, blessed memory, her name was Zelda, and she lived in New York, and I, I lived in her, her home when I learned to be yeshiva in New York. So she had a little business, and she would always tell me that she heard from her mother that a, a, a business, her, she would say in Yiddish, is a fenster to Ibn. It's a window to above. That's what a business is. I'm creating a window. Creating a window for Hashem to give. So we never worship the business. We worship Hashem. We never, we never become so overly involved in the business that, well, how can I go to Davin and learn Torah after? I'm too busy for my sustenance. That's when the business becomes David Dezer. When we recognize that the business is merely a window, so then yeah, I, do what I, I do what I gotta do. Or you call Hishtablis, I do what I gotta do. But that's it. My, my, my service is Tzachodesh Baruch The Mitzrayim said, throw all the boys into the night. Again, the modern-day equivalent to throw all the boys into the Nile is, let's take our youth and throw them into the digest, the worries of how am I going to get my kaparnasa, my life is about that, and my life is about my sustenance. That's worshiping, worshiping the Nile. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu do right at birth? What's he right away involved in? Both things. The bittle of the Avedizara and the bittle of the Xera. Once he is able to nullify that the Avedizara is not Avedizara anymore, what does it mean that Avedizara is not Avedizara? That we see through it. We stop worshipping the vessel. We recognize that the bracha doesn't come from the vessel. So then the Avedizara is not an Avedizara. Then there's no decree anymore. Because the whole decree was to throw the kids into the Avedizara. That was the nature of the decree. So Mesh, now who's the one who accomplishes all this? Moshe Rabbeinu. Because what's Moshe Rabbeinu? Of course Moshe Rabbeinu is the teacher of Pali Yisrael. But if, if there's an interesting name for Moshe Rabbeinu in the Zahar. Moshe Rabbeinu is called the Raya Mehemnam. What does Raya Mehemna mean? The Literally? Dependable shepherd. The faithful, right? Faith the faithful shepherd. shepherd. That's the simple shot of Raya Mehemna. He's the faithful shepherd, the most faithful shepherd of Kali Israel. There's a deeper shot. That he's the shepherd of faith. He shepherds the faith within each and every one of us, making it blessed. In other words, all of us have faith. We have Amunah because we're a Yid, we have a Neshama, we're connected, so we have a basic Amunah and Hashem. But that faith, that Amunah could remain dormant, could remain very transcendent. It doesn't necessarily pervade every part of the way I think and every part of my day. That's my Shrevin. 
Moshe Rabbeinu and the Moshe Rabbeinu is the generation, the Sadiqim. Moshe Rabbeinu is a, is a continuous concept of the Sadiqim or the Sadiqi Adairis. What do they do? They shepherd our faith, they awaken our faith. And therefore, as soon as Moshe Rabbeinu was born, he's still a baby. But Moshe Rabbeinu, even as a baby, was a Sadiq. How do we know that? It says in the parish, as soon as she sees him, very the, the house is full of oil when he's just born. Right? He didn't even do anything yet. Right? He's, the, he, but the house is full of light. Yeah. Right? It, the Pasuk says in this week's parasha that Basia opens it up and she sees Moshe with the Shekhinah, Rashi says. Right? So Moshe Rabbeinu is the ultimate tzaddik and he was born the ultimate tzaddik. So immediately, he said, his first pa'ula, his first effect as a tzaddik is to shepherd the faith of Klal Yisrael, to see through the Avedizaras, see through the, the worshipping of, the, uh, of uh, uh, different forms of sustenance recognized as only from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and thereby uh, uh, nullifying that terrible decree of Mitzrayim, or its equivalent nowadays, of to worship our, our sources, our, what we think, what we believe to be our source of sustenance, and recognize that our Amun Ambitachan has to be only in Hashem Himself. And that's how these two things come together. And that's what I wrote here. Um, this read the words that I wrote. The two things that happen in relation to Meshurah's being put by the, um, by the Nile. Bitul ha'vedezara, bitul ha'gzera, the nullification of the, of, the, of the idolatry, of the idol, and the nullification of the gzera, of the decree. And the, the deeper explanation of the connection of these two through understanding the depth of what the gzera was, what the decree was, um, and what Meshur Rabbeinu's primary function is, and that is to bring um, a person to a greater level, a reveal, more level, reveal level of Amunah Hashem. Real quick. Yeah. The two Inyon that were tied. Ryan Mahemna is a faithful shepherd, and, and the fact that he shepherds the faith, right? right? He stays with the people. Why does he stay with the people? To shepherd the faith. Well said. We see that by last week when we talked about Yosef Hatsadi. Why was Yosef Hatsadi buried in, uh, why was he buried in, uh, in, in Egypt? That's right. Couldn't take him to Israel, right? But he wanted to stay and shepherd the people. He stayed while he stayed there. Right. MS. Okay, we have five minutes. We'll try, so let's try to do something. It's going to be a little quick, but let's see what we can fit in over here. Another beautiful message. And an interesting message here, whereas the first message was all about what Moshe Rabbeinu gives us, in an unusual way, we're going to see some subtle level of criticism, even in Moshe Rabbeinu, in the next piece. Very subtle, but a very powerful message. Let's read together. So the first paragraph here, on the second part of the page, I have a couple of psukim, very famous psukim. It was in those days, right? Moshe grows, he goes out to his brothers, he sees their pains. He sees the Egyptian who's hitting the Jew. He turns this way and that way. He sees that no one good's going to come out of this. He kills the Egyptian and hides him in the sand. Right? I'm just reading, I'm saying in English. The second day, Moshe Rabbeinu comes out and he sees two people, two Jews, and they're arguing. And he says, Russia, why are you hitting your friend? And this uh, brazen person answers, he says, who, are, who do you think you are? Who made you a sarvishoyfit? Who made you a minister? Are you going to kill me? Like you killed the Mitzri? Right? This is bad news. Then the Pasik says, and here is where the words are bold, that's not a mistake. In the Torah, they're not more bold than the others. Vayira Moshe, Vayemer Ochin Noida Hadar. Moshe became afraid. Afraid? He says, oh wow, people know about this now. What happens in the next Pasuk? Pari heard. Pari therefore wants to put Moshe to death. Moshe has to escape. He goes off to Midian. Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to reappear in the shrine for some different uh, 60 or 70 or 80 years, whatever it was, a long time later. 
Well, when Mishra comes back to time, he's 80. At this point, it's not clear if he's 20, if he's 13, if he's whatever it is. For a long time, he's a nomad. He's all over the place. So there's Madrashim, where he, went, where he wound up. He's a king in a different city, in a different country. It doesn't matter. He had to run away from power. That's the, again, this is basic, the basic story of Meshur Rabbeinu's beginning. There's an interesting uh, nuance. It says, Moshe was afraid. Okay, why is that an important part of the story? I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu killed the mystery. Paro heard and wanted to put him to death. And Moshe had to escape. That's a good reason to be if it wouldn't say the words Moshe was afraid, would there be anything lacking? Again, we know what happened, and we know that the king heard about it, and he wants to put him to death. What's the fear factor all about? Why, why is it even a part of the Pusuk? The Torah, by the way, you should know what emotion was Meshur Rabbeinu feeling at the time? Fear. And if he wasn't feeling fear? <clears throat> again, every word in Torah is exact, and every detail, and every part of the story is exact, and has a message. And the Torah here seems to just an arbitrary piece of information. You should know Meshur Rabbeinu became very, very afraid. What's going on? Yaakov was afraid when he saw Yeson come. I, I, I didn't say there's something wrong with being afraid. We're not talking about that, although we're going to talk about that in a moment. The question is, why is it important to know that? What, what, why is that a part, a step of the story? Okay. And in short, to say, uh, to say a, a, a lengthy and important concept in very, very short, the idea given is the following. There is a criticism of Moshe, Rabbeinu, and Yaakov Avinu, where it says that they were afraid. Why? Because a Yid shouldn't be afraid. Because what? Because a Yid shouldn't be afraid. Why shouldn't a Yid be afraid? Because if a Yid has the fullest measure of bitachon in Hashem, bitachon means I'm in the best hands in the world and no one else can do anything to me that Hashem doesn't want. And Hashem is looking out for me. When I'm afraid, who am I afraid of? Para. That means in some way, Haro is significant and his decisions are significant and if I'm in trouble with him I don't know what I'm going to do. When a person takahat puts their perfect bitachon in Hashem that itself becomes a vessel to create new channels of divine bracha even if that bracha wasn't necessarily meant for them yet. In other words it wasn't destined let's say a person it wasn't destined for them to be saved. Bitachon itself is a vessel for Hashem's bracha. So what does the Torah tell us? Vayira Moshe, Moshe was afraid. So guess what happened in the next Pasuk? Para wants to put him to death. In other words, the reaction is because he was afraid. It's not a random piece of information. And by the way, he happened to be afraid. When you're afraid of something, you're empowering that something. And that's what the Torah is saying. Vayira Moshe, Moshe was afraid, so guess what happened? So yeah, so Paro got the memo. He didn't have to get it consciously. But in other words, the, the Paro, which represents badness and klipa and, and unholiness and evil, was empowered by the fact that a Yid, and not just any Yid, Moshe Rabbeinu was placing significance in them. And that's the idea. So I have in the next, you're welcome to take the papers home if you'd like. The next three paragraphs, which I just don't have time to read now, is a medrash that talks about this. The medrash talks about that Yaakov and Moshe are criticized for fear. And the Klal Yisrael, as you know what, let's just read the last, the very last paragraph because it's beautiful. Um, it says, Husha Novi Mikanteris Yisrael Omer Lahem. He says, This is what the Novi, Yishayawa Novi, is um, rebuking the Jewish people, and he says, Vatishka Hashem Osecha Note Shemayim Viyosid 
You've forgotten Hashem who made you, who, who, who uh, spreads out the, uh, the heavens and found the foundation of the earth. Emer Lohain, what's Yeshayo telling them? And Shisun Ma'amr Lohain, Yirmiya, did you forget what Yirmiya said? Koyamar Hashem, Imyumadu Hashemayim Mulmaila. Did you people ever notice that the heavens fell in? Imriisem Shemayim Shamtu, did one day the sky fall? If you listen to the radio nowadays, you'll, you'll find out that people are very afraid that the skies are going to fall, right? The, the, the world's finishing. Did you ever notice that the earth started just, uh, you know, uh, crum crumbling apart? Is the then shouldn't you have learned that just like Hashem takes care of the heaven and takes care of the earth and keeps the world going, He'll take care of you as well. And instead you're fearful, this might happen, this might happen, this might happen. The Navi is telling them, with, with true bitachem, a, a person recognizes, I'm in Hashem's hands. And if I'm in Hashem's hands, it's not up to power. And if it's not up to power, I'm not afraid of power. And that's the, the hidden message over here. Vayira Moshe, Moshe was afraid, so then power acted on him. Perhaps by strengthening Bitachon, then Pari maybe wouldn't have had the ability to act on it. And there wouldn't have been the death threat and he wouldn't have to run away. Again, Dark Yashem or Dark Yashem, what had to happen had to happen. But the Torah is te teaching us a message of the power of Bitachon and how fear of anything else than Hashem directly is actually something that's negative and, and can have negative, kind of, um, negative uh, effects because I don't have the bracha that Bitachon brings for me. Mm. Very good.